Welcome to Probably Science. I'm Matt Kirshen, and I'm sat next to Andy Wood. Hey there. We're back in the backyard. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, we've got to guess this has been a while in the making, because we've not been able to work yeah. out a time, but, uh, a friend of ours, a very funny comedian, one of the co-founders of the LA Podfest, mm. uh, one of the, like, the I, head writer for Marin? No, not the head writer. But a writer for Marin. A writer. I'm the, I'm the story editor now. Story editor. Oh, okay. And, uh. Head writer and creator and co-host of The Dollop. Yes. Which I think Andy in particular has plugged more on this show than our show. More than yeah. we've plugged it <laughs> on our show. <laughs> and I think you're the one that even got me into it in the first place, maybe. Or at least maybe. you no, had I heard, because you told me to check out The Rube first, and I think uh, oh, maybe. that okay. got me hooked. Yeah. You know you've done a good story if an English guy likes the rube. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would even say, and I think I said this on the show, listen to one other episode first to get a feel for the show, and then listen to the rube. Oh, yeah, okay. That makes sense. But Did we say your name yet? We no. haven't said oh, it. <laughs> Dave Anthony. This oh, is Dave Anthony. Hey, Dave, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. We've been us talking about this for over a year, right? I think so, yeah, easily. Because then, then Marin kept kicking yeah. off, and then... And, and then, then you're in Australia and then for a Australia, while. And then we're back to Australia. Yeah, you guys, you and Gareth blew up in Australia. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Is that because of Will Anderson mainly, you think? I mean, I, not, is that what got your foot in the door in the country? Yeah, that's what got my foot in the door. And then Walking the Room was uh, a, a cult favorite, sort of, but no one could tell their friends about it because it was so dirty. Right. <laughs> oh, okay. So then when I when they started this one, then people were, I got all these emails. I can finally tell people about you. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that it's so big there when it's all about American history. I like think all the that, stories I think be. that cause it, I think if you know, the way I do it is I, I try to, I'm trying to like paint a picture of how we are, what we are today. Yeah, so I think also, that it explains like people are like, well, this is the place is really crazy. I mean, it's yeah. legitimately nuts. It's also not about, it's not about American history. Like, the whole point of the show is you go through really specific events and really specific people yeah. in history. So at that point, it's not about... You're not learning, like, the battle of this no. happening. Like, it's that's it's human stories and weirdo stories. And right. A, yeah. those are universal. And B, people love hearing about American weirdos. They do. And I think, and I think that you also... You get a sense of what it was really like back then when you just explore some guy's life in the 1800s. You just find out all this weird stuff, and you're like, oh, that's what life yeah, was yeah. like back then? That's yeah. crazy. It's like medicine was just, you know, bite on oh. this while I cut off your yeah. leg. Or, yeah. I've got a bit of material that I do. I went to do, do material at you right now, but I've got a bit about the origin of vaccines that I do on my set. Yeah. And it's absurd. Yeah, it's horrible. It's the one vaccines of the, is... The, uh, yeah. It's one of the greatest, like, advances in me in medicine and human... And science and human health and existence in history. But it happened because a rich guy thought it was completely fine to experiment on his gardener's son. <laughs> <laughs> to open some boils yeah. and smear them all over. To yeah. smear pus from a milkmaid. Oh, God. Didn't they eat scabs, too? Uh, quite possibly. <laughs> I'm sure they... So nutrition like, dense, though. Yeah. I mean, like, so many nutrients in those scabs. Yeah, it's great. I'd recommend the uh, the Rube, the Cleveland Balloon. What's Go it called? The Balloon Fest. <laughs> the balloon Fest. That one is just amazing. <laughs> so many great stories. Yeah, check out the dollop. Dave Anthony and Gareth Reynolds were big fans. Uh, Dave, we ask our guests this before we get into stories. What, if anything, is your background in science? Uh, so I went to UC Santa Barbara, trying to get a degree in geology. All right, that's a that's a science. And I took you know 
chemistry and physics and did all the stuff except organic chemistry that was the big scary one and then i decided i want to do comedy so i switched over to earth studies nice yeah i never got into organic at all it was always uh too scary sounding everyone said it was the hardest everybody i knew had and i and i got through i got through physics and chemistry everyone else everyone in my group failed at least one or had to take one over but um but everybody who went into organic chemistry it was just it was like torture like they really just, yeah it's really really difficult because i did it at like a level at school i did a level chemistry and mm-hmm. i don't like in british in british schools you specialize a lot earlier so yeah. by the time you get to university you just you know. pick one subject yeah you apply to do a specific and you subject can't switch out of it there are there are options to switch like in most universities like if you sort of go to the but you need to go to the powers that be and say hey yeah. i'm not enjoying this course like like right. is there a can I switch or can I move? Like, you, you can't just you can't just go. I'm doing this now. No, you have to no, go no. Through a process. You have to go through a process. Yeah, mm. uh, and you know, some friends of mine did switch. Some friends started doing uh, like I did math, and then there was one friend who switched to computer science, and another guy who switched to something else. Yeah, but um, uh, but yeah, you ha- you apply for a specific class. So by the time you're s- like 18 at school, you've narrowed it down to like, three or four subjects. I can't imagine that because I. I I changed so many yeah, yeah. different, like, because yeah. I, I went to community college for a couple of years, and I was, like, marine I, biology, and then it was something else. And then you also, I don't know if it's still the same way, but when I was going into college, you, you would choose, you choose your major based on how many people had that major, and it would make it easier for you to get into college. So you right. could get into a UC school if you chose marine biology, because there are 10 marine biology majors. I, th- I don't know if it's still the same, I but I think that's some people do that in Britain as well. You definitely, like, you can look up stats on which courses are over and undersubscribed yeah and i'm sure there are people who pick a less common subject to get their foot in the door and then maybe right switch across because geology was it's so easy to get into i went to UC Santa, UC Santa barbara it was so easy to get in did you grow up around big, there no i grew up in northern california okay. okay but a lot of people i knew from high school went to uc santa barbara party school okay yeah so but, you- but geology was a thing it's just a small program but well respected i, I love that Party school is such an American <laughs> expression. Like, Tell not, me there are no British party schools. Well, there are definitely like universities in Britain that are more or less academic, and some of them are no more for their social life and other and or less. But you wouldn't go like this is a party school. This is a non-party right. school. Well, we rank them in Playboy. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it is crazy. I guess because like it's not assumed, right? It's the way it's assumed here that you go to college just as a matter of course. So you hit this age, you do that. But it's like unless, right? And it's well, no, no, so... no, no. It is. It is now. It's pretty oh, okay. much. Okay. I'd say, yeah, it's fairly assumed in Britain that a large number of people will. Although I, I think you can also drop out of school a lot earlier in Britain than you can in America. Like you can age sixteen. After sixteen, there's no legal requirement to go to school. You okay. don't. But do you have to get the equivalent of a GED like you do here if you want to? No, I so think. So you could. But when you drop out, then you're like, okay, so I'm going to work on the docks. Like it's like you're not. Yeah, or uh, you know, you could do vocational courses. You can do, uh huh, like vocational training or apprenticeships and stuff like that. Like, can or you go you straight can... into chimney sweeping, or how long do you have to <laughs> apprentice underneath? Oh well, the chimney sweeping you would have been doing sweep. from like. Like, if you don't get it, like, if you're not in there by about the age of six, you're just not going to... Uh, okay. Like, you need to build those motor school skills when you're I also I also young. like that I said work on the docks, as if that's not a very difficult union job to get. <laughs> <laughs> it probably is something tough to get these days. It's yeah, it's totally like guaranteed hard. work. Yeah. yeah. If we learn uh, nothing from the song, 
Wait, which song? Is there a song about dock working? Oh, sit, about sitting. Sitting on the on dock? Docks. That's because he couldn't get a job there? He's just... Oh, no, I was thinking uh, about, about a, a, a young man who used to work on the docks. Oh, Johnny. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Johnny. I didn't know you were talking about Johnny. I can't pull any more lyrics. It's so tough. It's rough. Is that part of it? I don't know. I, I know I you know, got to hold on to what I know, you got. Yeah, it's got to hold on. <laughs> it doesn't make a difference if you make it or not. Which is, I mean, that's bad, Rick. Yeah, but things were so bad he had to put his six string in Hawk. I know that happened also. <laughs> at, a, at least they at got a each certain other. Point, yeah. That's a lot for lovers. <laughs> for love. They gave it a shot. Anyway. Uh, we should do some science. Um, should, I think this is the quickest we've actually got into stories. Well, this kind of. I do feel you know like the this... easiest way to know what's facing south in Los Angeles? Go on. Which way the satellite dish is facing? Interesting. Yeah. Is that so? Because That's we're uh, in. Is that because every geosynchronous satellite is uh, basically over the equator? Is that I believe, true? I believe so. If you have, if you're in an apartment building and your apartment is facing north, often you can't get satellite. Interesting. Unless they can put it on the roof, with which a lot of apartment buildings don't allow. Yeah. Or you can like ask your neighbors if you can have them on the other side. Right. Can you do that? And they run a wire. And they go, yeah, if I can have half. But yeah, so that's south. I'm totally paying attention to that from now on. I never thought about. <laughs> Fascinating. It's like the high tech version of which side of the tree the moss is on. Yeah, totally. Like, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, we have you ever s- lost in? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you lost in South Los Angeles <laughs> with nothing but you're your wits in and a knife, Culver City. Where am I? <laughs> Has anyone done that? Like a a, a version a of bear, a sort of a bear, bear grills, in- but just someone just gets parachuted into <laughs> Culver. They take his cell phone and smash it with a hammer. <laughs> yeah. Spin them around three times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a Starbucks. I'm just gonna grab a yeah. It's like the easiest. I'm going to go to Starbucks and ask where I am. Yeah. Yeah. Just water. Uh, So we got a story that I thought was sort of befitting our guest because it's not an American story, so we're not stepping on your toes, but it it is a novel historical science story that was just back in the news, I think, because it was covered on a British documentary, though. But um, there is a small community in the Dominican Republic where there are people who are known as Gueve Doces. Do you guys know enough Spanish to make a guess at what that... Uh, I don't know enough Spanish to make a guess, but I do know this story. So I could, <laughs> <laughs> having read it when it was sent in by Jake Young. Gueve doses. Gueve doses. I have no idea what gueve doses mean. I know, I know a little bit of Spanish. Penis at 12. Well, they, that's why I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. By the way. They're, and they're known as the penis at 12? Penis at 12. Yeah. Although I've heard oh. uh, Steve Agee has done a bit about this for a long time. Because, again, this isn't a new story. Um but I think he misheard it as balls at 12. <laughs> and then he was talking about it on stage. Someone told him the story. He's like, that can't be right. And he was trying to Google it, but he forgot the name later. So then he was Googling 12-year-old balls. <laughs> he was like, that's probably not a good By idea. Like penis at 12, balls at 12 does sound less an age and more like a, like a direction. Yeah, it, does. it does. Just on the clock face. And then All right, penis until- at 12, boys. <laughs> We're going in. If you're down there... Yeah, the the penis is all face south. All day. <laughs> right, that's true. In the Dominican Republic, they have to. Uh, so there is a small town in the, the Dominican. Re- Why can't I say Dominican Republic? Um, it's the dollop. It's catching. Yeah, <laughs> they're um, the, yeah. They call this this group of people or not this phenomenon Gueve Doces, and in this article on uh, BBC.com, they're 
talking about this one person, Johnny, who was brought up as a girl because he had no visible testes or penis and what appeared to be a vagina. Oh, well, that'll do it. That's usually sufficient, <laughs> sufficient evidence. And it is only when he approached puberty that his penis grew and his testicles descended. <laughs> Johnny, once oh. known as Felicita, remembers going to school in a little red dress, though he says he was never happy doing girl things. Okay, but wait. So puberty caused... Just everything's just bloop. Usually it's hair. Yeah. yeah. It's like, but also you have, to, you have to put your thumb in your mouth and blow hard, <laughs> and then everything just goes... God, that, right that's out. gotta be... I mean, puberty's hard enough. Right, right, But right. when you change sexes like a frog... Yeah, he said he never liked to dress as a girl, and when they brought me toys for girls, I never bothered playing with them. When I saw a group of boys, I would stop to play ball with them. And when he became obviously male, he was taunted at school and responded yeah. with his fists. Yes, yeah, so he was a badass. He was a badass formerly girl. He's not, he's not a transsexual. He's just... Cause, I mean, so... He had a functioning vagina? Yeah, it would That's be some form of intersex. So it's, sort of it's a hermaphrodite then sort of well, situation. Uh, no, because it's, it's a unique phenomenon, and they got into the science of what caused this. Um, I can jump to that if you want. So this is something that was discovered. Imagine or- how much easier it would be for all transgender people if just they hit... Like it just grew like so nearly everyone who's trans like so has ver- variants of this story where they're like I always knew something wasn't right and I then had there the wrong was. but then just suddenly you hit right. twelve and kabang yeah. <laughs> like oh. I knew it <laughs> it's like rather than just years of convincing bigots right, that they're right. wrong it's like yeah that entire literary genre where like you felt special but you were not seen as special then it was discovered that you're actually secretly royalty right like, there's like thousands of books that <laughs> have that oh. stuff. That's yeah. Oh god, they're the worst. Mm. Um, so yeah, they they started studying this in the 1970s when uh, Dr. Julianne Imperato McGinley from Cornell Medical College went to that village. Um, is is it just the guy, or is it more than one person? No, lots. It happened a lot in this neighborhood. So yeah, they did lots of studies on these Gueve doses, including what must have been rather painful biopsies of their testicles before oh. unraveling the mystery of what was happening. This is 1970s people. Yes, oh. slightly less medical ethics. So, so we're going to cut that off. <laughs> just just test it out. This is for science. I know you've only just got it, but we're going to poke <laughs> it with a stick for a while. <laughs> so uh, yeah, when you're normally, uh, when you're conceived, you normally have a pair of X chromosomes if you're going to become a girl, and you have XY if you're going to become a male. And in the first weeks of life in the womb, you're neither, though both, in both sexes, nipples start to grow. Then around eight weeks after conception, the sex hormones kick in. And if you have that Y chromosome, it tells your gonads to become testicles and sends testosterone to a structure t- called the tubercle, or tubercle, where it's converted into a more potent hormone called dihydrotestosterone. That transforms that tubercle into a penis, and if you're female and don't have that dihydrotestosterone, it becomes a clitoris. And um, they investigated these guevadoses and discovered the reason they don't have male genitalia when they're born is because they're deficient in an enzyme called 5-alpha-reductase, which normally converts testosterone into that dihydrotestosterone. So they're all related. Yeah, I think it must have to do with a small. It must have to do with a small gene pool. Although I'm not trying to insult their village, but uh, yeah, it appears to be a genetic genetic condition that deficiency, and it's quite common in that part of that country, but vanishingly rare elsewhere. So yeah, what happens is then they hit puberty, and then there's a second surge of testosterone, and at this point the body does respond and the organs start to develop into male sexual organs. And so there, it's totally normal. You're like, I don't know if we're going to have a girl or a boy. Yeah. We'll find out when she's 12. Yeah. And well, then and then I wonder if they have like a party. Like, hey, the penis is here. Well, they do. They said that they're surprisingly tolerant of it because it's become a more normal thing. Like they said that um, 
let's see, what was the... Uh, do, 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 do. So this actually, yeah, this led to the development of what's become a best-selling drug called uh, finasteride, which blocks the action of the 5-alpha reductase, uh, mimicking the lack of dihydrotestosterone seen in these guevadoches. That's for prostate... Uh yeah, it gets used for tr- prostate enla- enlargement. Yeah, they said they found that these formerly girl, now boys, had smaller prostates later in life. So that was maybe part of why they led to... Isn't uh, that good, though? You want a smaller prostate Right, so they're saying that life. they used this drug, they developed this drug uh, to mimic the kind of chemicals they had to help people... That's crazy. large prostates. Yeah, they said... Um, they talked to one of the parents of Carla who at the age of seven is on the brink of changing into Carlos. And his mother has seen the change coming for quite a while. When she turned five, I noticed that whenever she saw one of her male friends, she wanted to fight him. Her muscles and chest began growing. You could see she was going to be a boy. Is there an aggression involved in this? Does it cause them to be aggressive? They said, interestingly, almost all of them become heterosexual, which is sort of an argument uh, against nurture for sexual orientation. like Completely against it. Well, also just to further hammers home that Thing that confuses people, which is that sexual orientation and gender identity are complete, are like yeah. are separate right. categories, right? Uh, and independent. Um, uh, there's another story actually, kind of that. Uh, if I can find there's it, there's got there's got to be girls that are like 13 and super sad that didn't turn into They're boys in that for town. Their penises to come. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't believe yeah, it. Yeah, into the penis fairy. If you're yeah. a trans, yeah, if you're a young trans man, yeah. Uh, or trans man to be trans boy like yeah identified female at birth and but knows you're male but then that doesn't kick in you're like ah so now i've got to go through the bullshit of also does it happen like um teen wolf style like werewolf in london like you lock yourself in the bathroom and like you don't want to see me like this and you come out like what's up Um, hey guys yeah i I do wonder though because i mean i get how like penis uh, the penis is like the clitoris and does it does the penis grow does the clitoris become the penis? Right. And ovaries, yeah. testicles. But what I don't get is like everything's analogous, right? So the the scrotum is basically fused labia. So I when mean, does that part happen? That's what it is. And then the testicles would descend into that. Oh, fuck, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's why there's they, a line you know, they, down the You know what we need so. here is a slow-mo cam. Right, right, right. Uh, <laughs> should be very legal to just uh, have a time-lapse camera set up on a Look, adolescent's genitals. We need you to sit here for about three years. <laughs> <laughs> there is another story that I just read recently. It's in New York Times. And I think we might have covered something like this before. but um, Or maybe I just read about it once before. But there's increasing, in fact, pretty certain that mothers who give birth to boys end up with some cells with Y chromosomes through their body. So they inherit some... Maleness? They inherit but some in, genetic uh, material from the son that they carry. In what way does it change them? Well, they don't know yet, but it's a source of investigation. So they, so it started off um, a team of pathologists at Leiden University Medical Center in the Netherlands. I put the link in the, doc, the top of the doc, oh, by the way. Thanks. They collected tissue from 26 women who had died just during or after pregnancy. Um, and they'd all been carrying sons. The pathologist then stained the samples to check for Y chromosomes. Uh, uh, they were looking for male cells in female bodies, and they were stunningly successful. Uh, they found cells with Y chromosomes in every tissue sample they examined. The male cells were certainly uncommon. Like, at their most abundant, they only made up about one in every thousand cells, but male cells were present in every organ that the scientists studies: brains, hearts, kidneys, and others. Uh, so this is something... They found the first clues of this happening in the 90s, that cells from both sons and daughters can escape from the uterus and spread throughout the body. They call it fetal microchimerism, 
Off to do the they, chimera. Do they have any theory? I mean, I wonder if that exists so that the mother bonds with the male child more. Maybe. Uh, yeah, they... Um, because I think that boys boys look like their fathers, so their fathers don't smash them on the rocks, right? That's Isn't supposedly that? true, yeah. And uh, I don't know... <laughs> now it's a specific way of killing them. <laughs> now you're making me... Yeah. You really thought this... You know, so they don't take them to Tahoe and drown them in a lake. Uh, just in that cabin behind, like, the third cabin along where people can't see you from the road. That's why the, they developed that way, right? <laughs> I mean, hypothetically speaking. Right, yeah. Right. If the... <laughs> You know, the, the one they drive by after work every day and stare at longingly and wonder if it could be possible. Yeah. Uh, Actually, speaking of that, sorry, is there more to this? Because I don't want to cut you off. Um, uh, you got dirty. Yeah, the, there's a little... Yeah, Andy's dirty. So <laughs> fetal microchimerism has been found in a number of mammal species, including dogs, mice, and cows. It's been likely that fetal cells have been a part of maternal life for millions of years. Uh, they think it might... Uh, they might produce chemicals that influence the mother's biology, influence allowing fetuses to manipulate her from within. Oh, God. It might help maintain the health of the mother, for example, by healing wounds, uh, mm. but there's also an evolutionary conflict of interest between mothers and the young. A mother's reproductive success depends on the total number of children she raises to adulthood over the course of her life. Devoting too many resources to a single child may leave her too frail to care for later children. If the child can somehow coax its mother to provide more resources, on the other hand... He or she may be more likely to survive to adulthood and reproduce, and they might. These fetal cells might let children manipulate their mothers to this end. Um, it's filthy little parasites, right? They're, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're frequently found in breast tissue, even in milk. The researchers argue that children might thrive more if the fetal cells drove up milk production. Uh, they also mothers also nurture their baby with body heat, and the thyroid gland located in the neck acts like a thermostat. Fetal cells are found there, uh, or it, uh, so it might explain how fetal microchimerism sometimes causes harm to a mother, but it might also be a side effect of the cell's manipulations. Um, it also, there are clues that the mother, God, there's, mo there's more <laughs> angles to this. The mothers also pull hard in this evolutionary tug of war. The immune system kicks into high gear after giving birth, possibly to clear or away leftover fetal cells. Oh boy. It's which a fucking battle. It's a I know. Battle. Which might also provide its own risks because women with autoimmune disorders such as rheumatoid arthritis can have relapses after pregnancies. All right. So we're saying have a girl. Have a girl. Yeah. yeah. You're uh, way better off having girls. But they uh uh it might also have a role in postpartum mental health. Oh, wow. These cells. I do wonder about families. Like my entire family is boys. My mom has three brothers, my dad had two brothers. Um and then I have two brothers. Both my brothers one has two sons, one has one son. Wow. Like, at, at a certain point, if you're just flipping a coin, it starts to be very unlikely this is all happening. Yeah, there's only one girl in it, my family. It does, but then also there's that other element that you're just one data set out of right. billions, and so someone, then you're like, someone wins the lottery every... bias, right, yeah, yeah. Someone wins the lottery every week, or most weeks. There's always... There's another family just up the road that has all girls... And then 20 other families that have a much more balanced mix, and you're just the outlier on a, right, in a data right. set. My, gra my grandparents had four boys, and um, they wanted girls, so they just dressed the last two like girls until they were seven. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, it was a weird time back then. That's like, there was, it was a Phil Hartman SNL sketch that was like, it must have been one of those 
seasons when you didn't realize like Charlie Kaufman was writing or some crazy like it's this village where every every baby that's been born there for like the last 20 years was a girl and it's like astronomically uh, unlikely that that would happen and um they send maybe Dana Carvey's the character as a reporter goes to talk to this doctor who has only delivered babies for like two decades this is insane and uh as as he's talking to him like you start to see I forgot how they reveal it exactly. Maybe just they say, oh, doctor, there's another one coming. And like, oh, it's so great. Is it healthy? Yes. Uh, is it going to require the procedure? <laughs> so, yes. Is it, what's, what's the, uh, and then like nurses start coming in. It's like John Lovitz with five o'clock shadow and a wig. Yeah. And they're like, well, sometimes a baby girl is, is born with a penis and testicles. <laughs> like, oh, God. Were you, uh, are Phil you the, Hartman going so straight with Are it. you the youngest? Middle of okay, three. So the, who you're, you're the youngest. They, your parents wanted a girl. Does he know that? They they kept going, hoping for a girl. He was very, he was very beautiful. He had like beautiful eyelashes. Okay. Like when he was first born, everybody would be like, "Oh, it's a beautiful girl." By the way, um, <laughs> he's still beautiful. By the way, happy podcast day, everyone! According oh, to the tweets yeah. that keep coming in, international podcast. I, day. Didn't, I didn't know who did that. Why is it that? Why is that a day? I don't Who's know. Decided. I presume someone just. Someone who has a podcast tweeted it on the off chance, right? and enough people picked Shouldn't it up. Should we have had some sort of meeting or come to an agreement on this? Or maybe this was, was that the, was this the day that uh, Saint Podcast was martyred? That's true. <laughs> In the Great Podcast Wars, yeah. yeah. day dot com um, says in their about section. It started in 2013. <laughs> Long and storied history. <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah, I don't By know. Way, who it's it's to... such a rare thing that I'm typing it in. It hasn't even auto completed on on the Google bar. And there I've it typed is. International Podcast Day, and it's suggested International Women's Day podcast. <laughs> like that's how. Um, I'm not feeling it. I don't feel it. It doesn't any... feel any different. No. Yeah. Well, when you get older, International Podcast Day is less and less of a thing. <laughs> it's it's, it's it a holiday for kids. It's fun to have kids to see the joy on their faces. I hate how it early is. it starts these days. I know. Though. Yeah. Right? Oh man, we used to have some parties in college. Yeah, like it was just barely party. even National Waffle Fries Day, and now suddenly it's. There's a, I I looked up days once. I just started looking up day. There's just there's a day for everything. It's oh yeah, really yeah. insane. It's almost like they're marketing ruses. <laughs> <laughs> One God, might be God help you if you order gin on International <laughs> Whiskey Day. Oh boy. Like white after Labor Day. Um, okay, so speaking of uh, when Dave mentioned smashing babies against rocks, mm-hmm. uh, we actually had a listener. My, one of my favorite pastimes. <laughs> in this that time. one doesn't look like me. <laughs> <laughs> and someone has to be like, "Oh, he's got your eyes. Put him down. Put him down." Like, oh, he does kind of have my eyes. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, so this is an article sent in by. I, th- I think this is Justin Broad sends. Justin in. Broad sends in so many articles, which you can, by the way, you can tweet at probably science or email probably science at gmail.com and uh, it's an article on popsci.com about why we want to squeeze cute things they studied why adorable animals can turn us aggressive interesting yeah so seeing something cute actually does bring out aggression in us according to a paper presented at society for personality and social psychology's annual meeting in new orleans last friday and by the way we just did an article recently about how all psychology studies are probably bullshit but whatever it's still <laughs> fun to talk about don't my wife would be very upset say that. <laughs> they're just hard to reproduce <laughs> but they're because she's a psychologist or like psychology articles <laughs> she's a psychologist <laughs> like it's it's it mostly i look at all these as just like interesting dinner party conversation starters more than right. like change what you do with your life stuff right um so yeah researchers found 109 people to look at pictures of animals cute i don't funny. see how this cannot be a thorough study <laughs> right 109 people <laughs> 
They looked at cute, funny, and quote, neutral photos of fluffy, fluffy puppies. Oh, God damn it. I hate, like, hate editorializing in the middle mm-hmm. of the article. Not even editorial, fucking shitty flourishes. Like, the lucky participants is the next Fluffy, sentence. fluffy, pu- yeah. fuck off. So, so, so you're just leaving Just put puppies. Just put- you're, not, you're not actually getting a, a little cute thing in front of you. You're getting, you're looking at pictures. pictures. Right. Okay, and you and you just go. I want to smash that one. Well, here's go, what the, check. Yeah. <laughs> they uh, the participants rated how they felt about the pictures, whether they agreed with the statement, like I just can't handle it, or perhaps it's so fluffy I want to die. Whether they made them want to squeeze something, or whether they were suddenly seized with the impulse to say something like "grr." Worst study ever. The cuter the animal, the more aggressive the response. <laughs> by the way, this study was a uh, co co-authored by BuzzFeed. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> And lolcats. Oh my god, yeah, totally. This is the worst study I've ever heard of. Well, Re- Rebecca Dyer, a graduate student in psychology at Yale University, oh, led the study. Like Yale? Yeah, I know, right? It's, think how hard is that is like to a, get into. Is there like a, uh, a degree is, you get at Yale for just being able to bullshit studies? This is, I think this is Yale with two L's. <laughs> <laughs> Small print afterwards, not affiliated with the New Haven School. Um, they dubbed the phenomenon cute aggression. Mm-hmm. And they think it's about high positive affect, uh, an, an approach orientation, and almost a sense of lost control. So it's so adorable, it drives you crazy. Okay, That's not and, what happens. Well, hold tight for a second, Dave. Wait, wait until you hear the second I, I, study. Right, okay. Right. So, for the sake of, so for the sake of thoroughness, Counter researchers study. did a second experiment to test whether the aggression was simply verbal or whether people really did want to act out in response <laughs> to wide-eyed kittens. fucking rabbit! <laughs> They gave them bubble wrap and told them pop as much of it as they wanted. What? And when they showed a slideshow of cute animals, people popped 120 bubbles. And if they were no! watching <laughs> funny... <laughs> One has nothing to do with the other. But if they showed them funny or neutral slideshows, they popped Put 80 a and 100 bubbles. Put in front of somebody and see if <laughs> they kills smash it. it with a brick. Right. Oh my God. If this was true, then animals wouldn't be alive. We would kill them all when they were young. Well, they suggest that one reason we have so much pent-up aggression over cute pictures is when we see something cute like a baby, it drives us to want to take care of it, but then we can't reach through a photograph to cuddle it, so we get frustrated, and then we get aggressive. Um... By the way, did they then do a controlled experiment with the bubble wrap and actually seeing genuinely aggressive, like, things that make you aggressive to see whether... Like, oh, yeah. do you put more bubbles when you're watching images of war or listening to really aggressive music? Yeah. Or is it just... Like, what about what about when, you, number when of you're given bubble wrap... And you start popping it. Do you just keep popping it? Yeah, because that's what I do. But the, but they do but say they that it's quantified. Less. Yeah, yeah. There were eight. You did about eighty to hundred bubbles okay. if they showed you. So funny that, according versus... to this, yeah, you pop a hundred. They popped noticeably more bubbles watching the funny. Uh, no, the cute. Watching the cute ones, uh, and funny yeah. and neutral. So cute, one hundred twenty bubbles. Mm-hmm. Neutral, a hundred. Funny, wow. eighty. But then yeah, so, funny I mean, distracts that's, you that, from popping things. The difference in, in uh, bubbles is extraordinary. And also just, yeah, would you say <laughs> bubbles correlates to aggression or just like you want to do... It's triggering some response. Some you want to press things. Yeah. That's, that's that the aggression? leap is then we're saying it means that you're frustrated because you can't take care of it like you want to, which I don't yeah, know. Yeah, popping bubbles isn't an aggressive thing to me. Yeah. Well, they said uh, maybe it's like when you're so happy you cry that sometimes an onslaught of positive emotion gets flipped to negative. Um, and they speculate that giving positive emotions a negative spin might help us regulate that high energy. I would like them to do the same study with porn. 
Yeah. I was just thinking for like if you're watching porn and put yep. bubble wrap in front of you, you'd probably be like, I can't touch my dick right now, so this is the best. <laughs> exactly. Because there's three thousand guy with a clipboard looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> Who um, has to handle the bubbles after? Who has to like clean up the yeah. Maybe it does mean though that if you're say a winery that still insists on old fashioned grape crushing techniques. Uh-huh. It might behoove you to show a slideshow yeah. of cute animals yeah, show, to increase productivity. Puppies, or just have puppies running around the barrel. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a bad idea. Or watch that lady who fell. Oh, my God. It's still my favorite viral video ever, I think, is that uh, grape-crushing lady who lost oh, her. Oh, yeah. That's the a wind classic. out of her. Uh, oh, my God. The best. Uh, my favorite is still the uh, news blooper. Uh, hang on. Let me... <laughs> The news blooper? Uh, where there was a certain... It's a horrible story. Uh, <laughs> and and I, w- I won't do it justice, uh, because, like, with, it's very much a visual gag, but, um, uh, I mean, I can I don't know if I have name. a favorite viral video. Now I feel weird. I think, like, look at that horse, uh, the apparently kid, and the grape crushing are my top three. Those are all good. Yeah. Will Anderson's is that. Has he ever showed you the wrestling one? Oh, look at the horse. It's great. Look what was the, the other one you good. said? Uh, the apparently kid. Apparently, I've never been on live television oh, yeah. before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What's the one Will likes? It's a wrestling one. There we go. Rodney Stanger. That's who I was trying to remember. God, what's it uh, it's like the greatest wrestling call of all time or something like that. Has Will showed you that one? I don't know. Is it? I can't remember what it's called. Is it? Is it the one where someone gets kicked out of the ring and particularly... Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. Uh... If it's the one I think it is, then during Colt Cabana's Edinburgh show, the one he does with um, uh, Brennan Burns in Edinburgh, and then he does it with... Who else does he do it with in... Oh, now I'm blanking on the name. But uh, they that always gets shown. Like, they really? show funny wrestling yeah. promos and clips, but that's the one. that That's the constant. That's yeah. the closer. I guess we should... Li- we're talking about these. I guess we should link to all these over we're on... Gonna, we're going to link to all of these. You're giving yourselves work. Yep. Uh, but yeah, the Rodney Stanger one is a visual gag. Uh, she, I I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to ruin it for the listeners at home. But do you want to see it? If yeah. you haven't seen it, uh, you'll get listeners. You'll get the audio. Crazy. Come over there. No, uh, I, I can turn around. Um, you get you get the audio. Uh, the story's horrible because it's a, a very sad a story great, of a disappearing girl. It's a great Retina display. But. interviewing a 60-year-old man who's in a Florida prison. 16-year-old Molly Bush disappeared while at her lifeguarding job at a pond in Warren back in June of 2000. The possible suspect, Rodney Stanger. No. Nope. Seen here. No, nope, this nope. is not Rodney Stanger. <laughs> nope. Oh, my God. Wow. Wow. I do, do we even tip the bit, or is this a call to action? To no, get everybody I think, to go I think look you now look it up. You just have to have people look at it. Yeah. That's amazing. Rodney Stanger. <laughs> oh. Like, you couldn't cherry pick a better wrong picture. Yeah. Curious, have you ever seen <laughs> For a really horrible news story. I think of all the profiling that's going to happen after that comes out, though, really, and like people just assuming that just if you look like that, it must, must be. Have you ever seen the photo of the L.A. Um, LA anchor? Oh, yeah. Next to the picture, of the artist rendering looks just artist, like him. It's his rapist, and it yeah. looks exactly like him. <laughs> it's amazing. That was pretty legendary. Yeah, okay, we'll link to all these over on the <laughs> site and in the show notes. Did you guys see the mountain lion on the telephone pole last night? No. 
um, well, it was yesterday. Uh, it was in uh, Hesperia or Lucerne Valley. I, I, I took a picture of it on my phone because it was extraordinary. Okay, so it it just climbed up the top of a, what? Of a telephone pole, and it's just clearly sitting looking for food, right? Some sort of victim. <laughs> I, I never even thought about how, like, if cats are dumb enough to climb up in trees and knock it down, then, like, giant wildcats well, probably... I don't know. I mean, I think I think their, their claws are extraordinarily strong, so... I. I think it could come back down because oh, okay. it could climb up trees. Uh, they're not like a cat. A cat, like a house cat, doesn't have the strength of claw that a, that yeah. a mountain lion does. I guess if a mountain lion cl- does, does, do mountain lions climb trees? I guess they do. Well, and they, then, we know they climb telephone poles. Yeah. <laughs> that thing looks so regal up there. It really does. That's amazing. I'd, I'd have one of those in my home. <laughs> did, I, did I tell you guys about the stray cat that was caught in our house during the super blood moon? No. Really? <laughs> yeah. What a what a what a great beginning of a story. I went I went out front to uh look at James Adomian, uh Josh Cheney, and Tia Ayers were over and we were like, Oh, let's go out in the front yard to see if we can see the blood moon and someone just left this door cracked a little bit. Uh oh. And we came back inside, and there was a cat that doesn't belong to me. And, and was it nice? It was not nice, and it flipped out <laughs> and it headed towards the kitchen. And uh, and then it like just ran up and down the walls and knocked everything off the oh, shelves because it was trying to figure out how to get out. I so, mean, it was do you think it was feral? feral? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh. And uh, it ran into the bay window a few times. <laughs> that was then, and I had the sliding glass door wide open. I just couldn't see it. So then it would just like it got pretty high up. Like it tried to just go up the wall. Yeah. As, if that, as if it was. <laughs> I've gonna, seen him do that. It went like six or seven feet up the wall yeah. and fell back down. And then it knocked over a bunch of like shitty African artwork that I didn't realize we had and now we don't have anymore. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, what they're for. Yeah. And that's, that's all because that lady, a crazy cat lady down the street, oh, she, she feeds, feeds them every them? night underneath the car. I see like eight cats under you can her car. Call, you can call the uh, the authorities and they'll come out and they'll put a kibosh on that. But that's a classic Blood Moon cat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a, not just a Blood Moon. A Blood Moon Eclipse cat. Right. Yeah. Right. I did you Super, get a good... Oh, no, I I'm sorry. Blood, I didn't get a good view eclipse. of the Blood Moon where I was. Like, I didn't see a, like, a bright red moon that everyone was taking amazing I, pictures I've of. seen... There's been so many Blood Moons recently. Too many Blood I, Moons. I, yeah. I was sitting in my house and I was like, oh, there's a Blood Moon. I don't care. <laughs> I've seen so many lately. Seems, you, didn't, you didn't want to do any of your rituals? I could have walked outside and looked at the Blood Moon in my backyard and I and was then, like, nope. ah, so. I am... Um, because <laughs> I, yeah, I was yeah. really tired and also didn't know quite how impressive it was uh, when I was going around Spain with a couple of school friends when I was 18 slept in the parking lot of the Alhambra and just didn't go inside. <laughs> I don't know what the Alhambra is. Which is just <laughs> spectacular. Palace. Oh yeah, you one missed of, out. That's pretty cool. One That's of amazing. The, one of the wonder like one of the modern wonders of the world. And, and why just, not just say fuck this? Just and slept sleep in the car park. <laughs> <laughs> just dozed in the car for a bit while my friends went inside isn't, to have a look around. Isn't youth great? I know, right? I had my disc man uh, set to <laughs> Spice Girls and we had one CD, yeah, a mix CD that Simon had made that lasted us for the entire trip. Oh yeah, fucking Simon. Oh, was right. it a there, CD? Was no, there was no channel back there, was there? When was the channel built? No, there was. Although we didn't, uh, we were going straight to Spain, so actually we took the car ferry from uh-huh. uh, I can't remember from somewhere on the south coast to Bilbao, and then drove this down. Is like ninety eight then? You said you were eighteen. Yeah, ninety eight. That's around like, when I went to. Uh, did I ever tell you I ran with the bulls? I told you that. Oh, God, show, really? I? I would never do that. I must have told that story. No, you didn't tell me. He's a very uh, adventurous man. It would have been, the Channel Tunnel, I think, was in the early 90s, might even be in the late 80s. Yeah, because they already had it in 99. When yeah. I was, yeah, um, yeah I, I, I won't make it a long story, but um, I didn't realize the trick to it is you're supposed to 
jump out of the way at the last second and it's not clearly marked as such but like once you've gone through the streets and and it's not like all at once there are waves of bulls and as long as they don't get separated they don't get spooked and start trying to gore people not that it wasn't still terrifying but then at the end because you didn't see this little runway thing you're supposed to exit through you end up stuck inside the bull ring oh and then they just laugh at all the dumb tourists who didn't know to get out and they yeah. won't let you get out and they, they just, won't no, and if you try to jump up the wall, like locals will just push you back down into it. So there's a couple hundred of you what? in the ring, and then they'll, they'll let like younger bulls that they're still training to be angry. They'll let them loose two at a time in the ring, and then you just have to try not to get and then trampled sport. or gored <laughs> by them. Yeah, that's completely insane. I was stuck in there for like at least half an hour. <laughs> It was terrifying. And there's so many bodies you can't even see when the bulls come. All you can see is a wave of people starting yeah, to move. Running. So you try to anticipate where they're running. And I have a few pictures uh, of how the bull got like terrifyingly close. God, that's really. Yeah. I would never uh, do that in general. You don't need to. It's not. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. seem like something that. Uh, it seems neither not a good idea and also probably cruel. I'm guessing it's cruel. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it supports bullfighting, which probably isn't the best thing. Oh, by the way, did you guys see? I don't know why you would have. Uh, I, I was just. Forced to watch Cowspiracy recently. Cowspiracy? Cowspiracy, Netflix documentary. No, I haven't heard of this. I feel like there's going to be an official like DSM 4 thing for like Netflix documentary syndrome. Like, <laughs> you can't live your life. Like, you can't. I have friends, like, every time and they watch a new Netflix documentary, it's like life altering. Like, how can. There's just too many. You can't. You no, know, Gareth's like that. He just doesn't, he just nonstop Netflix. I think he's seen them all. So what is, is, cow, what is Cowspiracy Cows about? are the cause so of everything. It's the yeah. belief that cow never landed on the moon. Oh, fuck <laughs> well, me. It jumped I over. knew it. It didn't touch down. Yeah, it just over there. Yeah. <laughs> no, so way cow, no way something. could a cow jump over the moon. You just look at it. It was faked. It was, it was the flags sausage. were blowing. Hey, guys, I got I to gotta tell you, that's just a nursery rhyme. It's not exactly. A, it's what I've been saying this whole time. <laughs> Finally, voice of reason. They wouldn't make it a rhyme if it didn't happen. <laughs> so yeah, Cowspiracy says that... Get your finger out of that I, pie. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of the corner. I can't believe it's called Cowspiracy. It's the dumbest name, and um, not to like... But they're not calling it a Cowspiracy, right? No, they're saying that animal agriculture is worse than fossil fuels, is the reason that we... Yeah, uh, yeah. That, um, That's an argument to make. That it, it contributes more to greenhouse gases. It's uh, worse. I do know, um, like, I don't know how bullshitty that is, but I do know methane is a much more potent greenhouse gas than carbon yes, dioxide. It is. By a, many, by a factor of many. They yes. talked about that. There's a thing called GWP, which is um, global warming potential. Which makes me wonder about, like, if you can global capture warming. that methane Catch your and what? then burn it, which, which releases carbon dioxide. Oh. So yeah, there's I thought a, you said me thing. I thought we oh. moved on to another subject. I heard someone has. I thought that someone had uh, created some sort of. I thought there was an additive yes. to put into the cow's food to but so I don't they think would create less methane, they, so the cows wouldn't fart as much because apparently they're just farting. They're farting up uh, a farting a blue streak. But yeah, so the the story the movie i think cites this gwp which is global warming potential of methane as being um 72 and it's all based on a unit of one being carbon dioxide so how much worse it is in carbon dioxide but then they didn't take into account like the lifespan of methane and right and then and the actual co2 emissions from cows they didn't take into account that if you look at the cows as a system with the food they eat which is photosynthesizing and producing 
oxygen eating carbon dioxide. Right. They're just more the basically that the thing that they were going. They just off isolated of, the cow. They looked at one study that was not peer reviewed for most of the data. And I'm not saying like we should definitely be eating less mm-hmm. meat. I'm not saying I'm. Yeah, proud they of definitely it. are contributing to the greenhouse effect, and yeah. they also are contributing to. Uh, antibiotic resistance which i think we talked about on the last episode yes but it's just the fact that somebody can and my friend after watching this was instantly vegan i'm like i wouldn't respect myself if all it took was one netflix documentary (laughs) that's the real reason i'm not making the change is because like well look man that's why i know that the 9-11 was inside job thank you (laughs) well that that it was so we talked about that like like seal beams on film i saw someone i saw pictures i heard words i've seen I mean, it, there's a movie online. Yeah, you can't just put a now, movie online. Now, of course, it changes all the time. when They eliminate facts, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> so each year worldwide, according to this it's article... It's a living document. It's like the Constitution. <laughs> <laughs> uh, each year worldwide, according to this article uh, on sciencemac.org, uh, the methane produced by cud-chewing livestock... And by the way, apparently it's mostly belched, not farted. Oh, is it really? Uh, oh. So that... Warms the Earth's climate by the same amount as 2.1 billion tons of carbon dioxide. And it's, so that's but bad. it's like those. That's kind of sk- which is a little more than four percent of the greenhouse gas emissions related to human activities. So that's the thing is like you can give those numbers, and if you don't have the perspective yeah. on what they're compared to, I don't know. It's just these um, things are super complicated systems, and like the editing in Cowspiracy was so ridiculous because they were all only talking to people that were on their side but weren't specifically worried about animals like they're going to greenpeace and like why aren't you guys talking about this like, <laughs> really you're gonna say that greenpeace is in on a conspiracy uh, not to talk about cows that's but, awesome you uh, sons of bitches so it's three nop uh three nitro oxypropanol uh which gets can be added to the corn and alfalfa based feed of these cows and they found the emissions dropped on average by 30 percent with no noticeable effect on the cow's appetite nor the production or or composition of the cow's milk interesting now i had heard a long time ago that my favorite stat is that um in a cow's lifetime it uses it consumes enough water to float an aircraft carrier now there's a lot of problems with that very I mean, generic. It's a really interesting <laughs> unit of water usage because it requires people to understand how buoyancy works. Yeah, like, but it's also like, what is the water in? Right. How? Uh, how did you? Is it how like, did you figure yeah. that? Unless I mean, like, float the idea of an aircraft carrier. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You just float an aircraft carrier, guys. Uh, was, that was a USA Today stat. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, the- I remember reading it. I was like, that's amazing. There's so many problems with that stat. Yeah. <laughs> so intangible. <laughs> right. Like you could tell me. You could tell me the amount was five times or a fiftieth of that amount, and I would be equally like, "Yeah, all right. yeah." But uh. but it's also sad that people would be like, "See, yes, look at that. <laughs> I can picture an aircraft carrier. Therefore, I'm changing my entire life." <laughs> like again, I'm not saying there aren't pro- there are definitely problems with animal agriculture, and I'm not yeah. super proud that I eat meat. But like, I'm just saying this movie wasn't the most even-handed thing. And then it would talk about yeah, like the the, the water footprint of a cheeseburger. But it's just like, and it shows a graphic of a guy just like spraying his hose until the entire city block is full of water. But if you look at that kind of stuff, like the alternative to that, some other protein that you grew has a water footprint. And there isn't a worldwide water shortage, there's regional shortages. Right. And if, if these are being done in areas where there's, a, there's plenty of water, like it, I don't know, like it's just conflating a bunch of different things. Like, and, and if you want to get into it, yeah, we shouldn't be doing a lot of things that are way worse than leaving your sink on that are not animal-based, like growing almonds and shit. Like, there's a lot more at play. If you, if you want to move cows out of places where there's not a lot of water, then you still have to transport them. And, you know, then what do you... 
Yeah, but I'm saying like maybe the- I think you can send them on a long march. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like Manila. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, hey. Is that wait? Is that where uh, the Baton Death? No, what, isn't that where it was? I don't know. I, I should know was, this. I believe they walked out of Manila. Sounds I might right. Be wrong. I was trying to think of a pun. Yep. Involving cows didn't Nothing. didn't pull it. Hey, here's a story that involves animals and cells and possibly good news. I think this is another Justin Broad sentence story about antidepressants plus blood thinners cause brain cancer cells to eat themselves oh, in mice. I, I read this the other day, yeah. Um, so scientists have been exploring the connection between tricyclic antidepressants and brain cancer since the early 2000s. There is some evidence that the drugs can lower one's risk for developing aggressive uh, gliboblastomas. But when given to patients after diagnosis in a small clinical trial, they showed no effect as a treatment. But in a study in Cancer Cell on September 24th, Swiss researchers find that antidepressants work against brain cancer by increasing tumor autophagy, which is a process that causes the cancer cells to eat themselves. The scientists next combined them, uh, the antidepressants, with blood thinners, also known to increase autophagy, as a treatment for mice with the first stages of human... Uh, glioblastoma. Mouse lifespan doubled with the drug combination therapy, while either drug alone had no effect. Get it in fucking Walgreens. Uh, It is exciting to envision that combining two relatively inexpensive and non-toxic classes of generic drugs holds promise to make a difference in the treatment of patients with lethal brain cancer, says study author, uh, senior study author, Douglas Hanahan of the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology. All right. Now, if that's all it takes is combining those two, uh, is that one hedge fund dude then going right. to buy those two together <laughs> and totally. jack up the price uh, from $10? They're now a million dollars if you combine them. <laughs> well, it is Sorry. presently unclear whether patients might benefit from this treatment. What? The new mechanism but the mice based- are living yeah. longer. Uh, the new mechanism-based strategy to therapeutically target glioblastoma is provocative, but an early stage of evaluation and will require considerable follow-up to assess its potential is what the senior study author says, which is what scientists kind of do when newspapers are like, we found the cure! Yeah. Uh, mice received the combination therapy five days a week with 10 to 15 minute intervals between drugs. Jesus. It was given orally. Uh, the antidepressant was given orally and the other drug was injected. 10 to 15 that's minutes between. That's a lot today. of... They were st- I mean, you could, float, you could float an aircraft carrier. <laughs> <laughs> The the data suggests that the drugs act synergistically by disrupting in two different places the biological pathway that controls the rate of autophagy, a cellular recycling system that at low levels enhances cell survival in stressful conditions. The two drugs work together to hyperstimulate autophagy, Mm. causing the cancer cells to die. Uh, Importantly, this didn't cure the mice, but it did delay disease progression and modestly extended their lifespan. Oh, good. So... I think we should um, do a thing where you're not allowed to report on any studies that involve mice. Yeah. <laughs> but it says it seems likely that these drugs will, likely, will need to be combined with other classes of anti-cancer drugs mm. to have benefit in treating the patients. But one can also envisage uh, clo- co-clinical trials, wherein experimental therapeutic trials in the mouse models of glioblastum are linked to analogous small proof-of-concept trials in GBM patients. That's what I envisioned. Yep. Yeah, such trials <laughs> might not be far off. I just think they shouldn't be allowed to report on it until they are starting experiments with humans. Right. <laughs> Doesn't that make sense? A, why get excited? Yeah, it's just, you just get, it's like uh, seeing the trailer for True Detective 2 and it's still eight months away. <laughs> like, don't, don't bother. 
who's putting on that mask? And then it ends the, up being garbage anyway. I watched the whole thing. What'd you think? Oh, it was horrendous. So horrendous that I wish I had done a podcast at the end of each one <laughs> to to just, just all I would do was describe the plot from my from my memory. And if they do a season three, that's what I'm going to do. After, after I watch one, I'm then just going to talk into a microphone and describe what has just happened. <laughs> and then I'll put it out. Would you describe all the people by what they look like because they only said each character name once yes. in passing in the first episode and then never yes. referred to names again? <laughs> so true. So I'd be like, Rachel McAdams and then Friday Night Lights go out for a drink. And, uh, <laughs> Friday Night Lights. Is that even what he's from? I've never seen that show. Yeah, I don't he know. was from Friday Night Lights. Yeah, what a letdown. I just God. called him CHP. She was cop. She was sheriff. He was CHP. And then... And, and then, then uh, was and then I'm an American with an American accent. This is how Americans talk. Definitely not Irish. Doing an accent. Oh, my son's a fat redhead. That was so bad. <laughs> so heavy-handed. God, there, say, he's got to be say, my son. You can tell he's clearly your son. How could he not be? Yeah, they shipped was... him in from Sweden. <laughs> I really want to rewatch it though, because people tell me it's better on second view. Uh, no. I, you know what? I can I can imagine that it would be like you mean like enjoying how bad it is. <clears throat> well, I mean, now that I know where it's going, I know the characters' names, kind of what their roles are. Maybe I would be able to enjoy the no, no. <laughs> Fucking Vince Vaughn and his wife. Those scenes oh. when they're both facing the camera and they're doing like you know. Uh, Focus on one other is over his shoulder like it's a soap opera. Yeah. They're doing a hey, babe, I'm telling you, it's yeah. just going to be you and me. We're going to shoot to the stars all the way once this deal goes through. Jesus, <laughs> like, how many scenes? You you should you could probably cut all those scenes together. It'd be about an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah, I can make an entire movie that's just melodrama with him and his. Hey, uh, there's a there's a brief um, before we move on to other stuff. This has been a very biology and medicine heavy episode, but um, linked to next, to, I just saw on the sidebar on the story we just read out. Uh, that Matthew Hill of the University of Calgary's Hodgkiss Brain Institute has published a perspective piece in the journal Nature, voicing his concerns about other academics and journalists who suggest cannabis use causes schizophrenia. He points out there is little evidence of such a connection and suggests there is actually evidence that cannabis use does not cause the mental disorder. Is, Uh, is Is that still a thing? People are still writing that? Oh, yeah. And in the UK, a lot. He had an article published a lot. Uh, last year in the Journal of Psychiatry and Neuroscience calls Clearing the Smoke, What Do We Know About Adolescent Cannabis Use and Schizophrenia? In which he outlined the studies uh, that have been conducted to determine if cannabis does indeed cause schizophrenia, the first of which was conducted in 1987 in Sweden and did find such an association. Uh, so army conscripts who use cannabis were found to have higher incidence of schizophrenia. Uh, it was this study that has led to the common belief today that the drug causes the mental illness. But as Hill notes, what the study actually found was the high doses of tetrahydrocannabal, uh, which is THC, the psychoactive component of cannabis, can cause acute psychosis, but only for a short period of time. The researchers back then assumed the condition could be permanent and lead to schizophrenia and therefore made their pronouncement. So just basically you know, saying oh, it no makes you high. Yes. Well, no, That's, there's a difference between psychosis. It can make psychosis. you super high. There is definitely, like, psychosis, acute psychosis is different to being crazy high. But it also says this is a temporary thing. It doesn't did they maybe, jumpstart schizophrenia. But did they maybe take too much pot or did they, was it a, just bad weed? Yeah. <laughs> well, is this what Cypress Hill referred to when they talked about being insane in the membrane versus being insane <laughs> yes. in the brain? It's yeah, acute yeah, yeah, yeah. versus chronic. That's, that's Were they exactly just insane in the membrane? Were they listening to that song at it, the time? It does li- I guess I didn't recognize it because they listed them by the name rather than the band, but they are all co-authors of this oh, okay. paper. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so they, this is when they scientifically backed up their music. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm holding out for the Netflix documentary on this. I'm not going to make any decision until I see something on Netflix. What about Food, Inc.? Have you seen that? I can't spend my life watching Netflix documentaries. <laughs> <laughs> it's too... Have I mean, you ever I'm seen sure, Food, Inc.? No, I, I, know what, I know the gist of it. I, uh, it's an interesting It's an interesting one. To, it took me a long time to get around to watching it, but I think it's an interesting one to... It's just like it's pumping some, animals full of stuff. Yeah, to make that's... A, that, that, that I, I mean, if you, go to, if you go to, say, Australia, the food tastes better. Oh, really? Because they're not doing what we're doing to food. Mm-hmm. Our food is just m- m- much much more flavorless. It did surprise... Like, one of the things that really shocked me going in when I first came to America is how little of the supermarket is ingredients. Oh, yeah. Like, how much... It's I mean, not the made. Not that Britain doesn't have a lot of ready-made and processed and pre-produced stuff, but the ratio is so much higher in the States. Like, how... Yeah, how little of the yeah. food section of a supermarket is food? Well, what, that that just that's just born out of the the fact that we work so much. There isn't there isn't time to make food, and and it, well, even like um, it's a sort of convenience culture that's built up over a lot yeah. of time. Um, and also, how much cheaper non food is than food? It's terrible. Like how much if I'm coming. I guess coming back from a gig's a bad example because in Britain as well, the coming back from a gig food is options are terrible. But if I if I'm just want a quick cheap snack, a burger back when I ate burgers would be you could get one for like one fifty, and yeah. a salad would be right. seven dollars. Yeah. yeah, Louis I mean, Katz's joke about it's like the reason everyone's fat is like six dollars gets you a cheeseburger, fries, and a drink, or you can put a down payment on some arugula. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Are you a vegetarian now? I eat fish still. Oh yeah, that's, I'm I'm, mostly, I'm one of those people. I'm mostly fish now. Luckily, um, luckily, cowspiracy also uh, implicates you guys as part of the problem. Uh, okay, fuck fish me. are just as bad as there every is, because of there all is the a fish farming that I've been fish holding nets. off eating because I don't know what it's going to do. to Have me. you seen fish spiracy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen, I've seen kale spiracy, yeah. which is a slightly better pun. Um, <laughs> big kale, man. I'm telling you, you've got a strong arm grip on. Uh, no, but speaking of working too much, actually, this is an interesting pseudoscience article uh, sent in by, I believe, Justin Broad. There's a new office- Justin Broad heavy episode. Justin, yeah. what are you? Yeah. Your researcher. There's a new office craze called hot desking. Can you guys guess what hot desking oh, fuck is? Fuck that story. This isn't even a craze. It's been existed it's for not years. A craze. It's There's hot- slightly new technology that makes people that sli- that streamlines the ge- like being on like not having Keeping a fixed desk toes. in an office no having having not enough desks to meet the number of people in a building so you're constantly like musical chairs like, oh for a desk. my no seriously keeping you on your toes yeah making you have to think on your feet that's and be fucking more, horrendous it's really that's the worst yeah. that's the worst work environment thing Orwellian, i've ever heard making it sound like it's for your benefit yeah. but it's just like everybody's gonna be like cowering in a corner trying to like i couldn't get my reports done <laughs> You, you gotta, were literally you gotta, keeping you know me what, from sitting down. You know what, Francis? You got to work on your hot desk. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it does desk. say there is one thing that's vaguely smart about it in that it does keep you moving. It, well, it according to this, the this system does jump people between different types of desk according to their daily needs. So you kind of go, okay, today uh-huh. I need to be in a conference room. Today I need to be. Uh, I'd like a standing desk. Today I'm. Mm-hmm. What? No, but de- so. So it's not you're not switching desks all day like you just come in and grab a desk for the day. But yeah. like if you go out for lunch, do you got a hot desk when you come back? Not, well, when the music stops, you need to be the first <laughs> one to get at the desk. Um, they have lockers, um, but you're also not encouraged to keep that locker for uh, for days or weeks because they just want you to not have rigid locations and, and fixed ways of thinking. <laughs> no, I know because that's because it's not inherent in people to have a place 
where you would set up camp and, and want a space of your own. <laughs> People don't like that. No, no, no. We've always just been running around. Well, it, once, I like to wake up your... in a room that's foreign to me every morning <laughs> and look around and try to figure out where I am. That's <laughs> once your daughter's picture's been digitized, though, then you can just have it projected on the wall when you kind of log in. Then all, your, right. picture, all your daughter's stuff appears. And it's yeah. all there. You know, well, they um, should do this with houses in Los Angeles. There is, um, I'm going to link to this on probertyscience.com as well. There is a, one, one of my favorite clips from years ago. I'll see if I can find it. It was a BBC report on the Hotel of the Future, and particularly the final shot. But all the way through, it's the bleakest thing. <laughs> really? But the final shot, like he's on this bed that probably rocks in a calming manner, watching this giant screen, and it's just shot from behind. He's just slowly rocking. It just looks it's like... terrifying. And then, and then a guy in a rabbit mask pops up <laughs> at the bottom of the bed. He's been blowing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna make a note to myself, just like. Uh, uh, I think we've got time for one more story. Uh, well, before we do, I meant to segue from the um, positive cancer story to a different positive cancer story that we haven't mentioned yet. Uh, listeners to our show who don't listen to Jesse versus Cancer, which shame on you if you don't. Um, are we allowed to like reveal good news that he revealed in his show? Yeah, I mean, he, why not? Did he yeah, already, I mean, he, did he already re- any, any good because yeah. it's Jesse. Any good it's news our, he reveals is with a massive caveat of like, but I'm probably still going to die. But uh, but yeah, it seems like the chemo's kind of hit pretty hard it's done it's in a good way in yeah. a really good way can we can we take a moment to say what i said to him at podfest last year which is I walked up and you guys were tied to him and i go hey man i love breaking bad and he was like what i thought he was the guy from breaking bad <laughs> i thought he was badger no badger yeah badger yeah yeah because yeah, yeah. that like, guy what and i was like i don't know i gotta go <laughs> <laughs> wait that guy was at the festival he was at the festival he was, there. Yeah. he was a guest on whose show was he a guest on um maybe fitz dog i can't remember what so show. i knew he was yeah. there that i saw jesse and i was like hey man i love <laughs> he was he's like, like so thanks a lot man yeah i worked hard on that part yeah, I like the Beatles. <laughs> like, what are we? Are we who's just this, who's, this, who's this idiot that comes around saying he likes TV shows? <laughs> Amazing. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, Jesse versus Cancer is his podcast. JesseVSCancer.com to listen. And this week he yeah gave good news about how the chemo had worked so well that um, not only did they they think they got everything in his liver, so they they did the laparoscopic surgery just on the spots on his liver, and then they tested to see if the edges around it were clean and everything looks good. So it might be, that might be everything out of the liver, hopefully. And yeah. also the tumors in the colon shrank so much that they're going to do even more chemo and then surgery for that in, in I think four to six months, but they have to do a minor surgery now. Uh, you could tell this part, Matt, it's fucking fascinating. So he needs to get his colon tattooed. Right. Uh, because they, they need to know where the cancer currently is because if it's as effective, the chemo on the colon as it's been on the liver before he has the next operation, it could end up being very hard to find without doing that. Yeah, that makes sense. And he settled on a shamrock, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Technically, any colon tattoo, I think, is a tramp stamp. Yeah. Also, isn't it? Like, he, did, all... he did mention that on the show. Yeah, yeah. Oh, did he? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I just stole his bit. Damn it. I didn't listen. To, uh, I guess I wasn't paying close enough attention. Um, I did listen. I listened, Jesse. The ultimate tramp stamp. But um, uh, do we... Uh, yeah, we'll, we're going to post links to everything on PropertyScience.com. We've got time for one more story, but before we do, the other thing you can find on PropertyScience.com is our donate button, mm-hmm. which uh, people have made good use of this week. Well, a lot of people's monthly donations have come through. Thank you so much, everyone who's donated uh, on an ongoing basis to help support the show. Uh, we have monthly donations from uh, Michael Cravvy, uh, did we, Lindsay Eisenman. Did Might we, have thanked those two last we, week. Did we thank them last week? Yeah. Fuck Either it, way. you get another thank. Yeah. 
Uh, very generous monthly donation from Lynn Fortman. That's very nice of you. Uh, Murphy Shane's monthly donation came through. And thank you very much, Emma Wilton. Uh, Matthew Arnold. Uh, Anderson Jones, thank you so much. And Justin Broad as well, who has also donated a very nice amount every month. Thank oh, by you. the way, uh, Julian Alberto sent the hot desking, not Justin. So oh, okay. Thank you, Julian. Thank you, Justin, also. Uh, and then uh, Cheryl and Jared Murphy sent a one-off donation, as did Andrew Davis. So thank you. And... Uh, and Sean Wally, did we thank Sean last week? We you might like, have. I might have doubled up on these. We might have. We might have thanked you twice, but I'd rather do that than miss you out. If um, he, he also said, "Love the show. Keep the caliber of the show at the level that I and others have come to love and expect," <laughs> which sounds almost menacing, right? Like, <laughs> hey, just watch yourself. Just watch yourself. Yeah. <laughs> There's right. money here, but right now, but if you, <laughs> <laughs> if the caliber drops, uh, you'd be real shame. You got a nice podcast here. It'd be real shame to see something happen. To yeah, me. Just say I'm expecting something from you now, okay? <laughs> He has a PhD in physics as well, so he knows things. <laughs> yep. yeah. um, uh, but then again, Arizona State, big party school. Yeah, hate to throw <laughs> you under the bus, school. ASU. But so he's got a PhD in party physics. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so thank you, thank you, so much. We really appreciate everyone who donates and helps keep this thing going. Uh, you can donate at probablyscience.com. You can also find our Amazon link if you are shopping on Amazon. Click our link first. Why not set that to be the link in your browser, uh, the bookmarks? You don't even need to remember. It auto-completes it, and we get a little commission for everything you shop on Amazon. It costs you no extra. Um, the other thing you can do if you're not donating, if you're not able to donate and you're not shopping on Amazon, is just spread the word. Tell lots of people about us. Uh, write nice things about us on iTunes. Subscribe if you're not already subscribing. And just tweet on Facebook. That really helps people find us. Uh, and we really appreciate it. We- oh, and you can still go to LAPodfest.com and buy access to the video video Fuck archive yeah, you to can. see our mm-hmm. show live, to see the dollop live, both of those episodes having Pat Oswald as a guest. Yeah, that's true. And uh, and many others, all of the panels, all of the shows, there's some amazing shows up there, there's some amazing guests. And if you use the offer code SCIENCE, you get $5 off. So for a mere 20 bucks, you get... 50 plus hours. 50 plus hours of, of premium content. Uh, it's a bargain. So please do that. And if you use our code... Uh, we get a little commission, and the Podfest knows that we have people who like us. Yeah. Um, oh, and the Podfest keeps track. Yeah. They're yeah. watching. Oh, they're watching. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a shame to see something happen. Yeah. I think we got time for like what? Hey, uh, do you want, uh, as our guest, uh, a 3D printed surgery story about hearts or a story about the Rosetta's comet once being two objects? The heart. Yeah. Gone all medicine this week. Gone all medicine, but cool. Uh, also, the, I basically told you the whole of the Rosetta yeah, story just then. That's, two, two things. <laughs> yeah. That's basically it. I mean, like, there's a little bit of so they, understanding they about collided, how they discovered they, it. I but guess they collided. Yeah, at some point in the past. Yeah, but that's, stuck together. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they squished together. Yeah. Pretty much <laughs> it. Tactical I'll link to that story so you can find it anyway. Uh, Maybe over your head. but They're uh, made of pudding. <laughs> so they just combined. A yeah. lot of people don't know that. Uh, who sent in the heart story? I want to thank um, the person. That was Lloyd Landig sent in mm-hmm. a heart story. By the way, there was a there was a male model lived across the street from me like seven years ago, and um, I I moved out and then I was over there a couple years ago and when three D printing had just sort of hit and he had invested all of his money in a three D printing and he goes look at this thing and he just comes out and shows me the worst <laughs> mug you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> It's just like, oh, dude. <laughs> like, I, like, we love, I love 3D printing. Our listeners seem to really love 3D printing stories, and I, I can see why, because I, th- I think it's pretty cool. 
but that's definitely not a technology you want to get in a ground floor. No. No like, if you're a university, maybe you want to get in yeah. there quickly, but I th- I'd give it a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want a, want a shitty mug? Right. It goes Just. straight from a beautiful picture on your computer screen to something that looked like it was left out in the sun for a while. Yeah. Do you want half-melted things? No, the interesting things. You know what they things. say? The first one of any new technology is always the best. <laughs> <laughs> the interesting things are things like the medical breakthroughs and stuff with this. Yeah, so yes, this is, definitely. So here's one of the things it's now being used for. A system that can convert MRI heart scans into 3D printed physical models in a few hours, which can then be used to plan surgery. To plan surgery. Yeah, so researchers at MIT and Boston's Children's Hospital have developed a system that can take an MRI scan of a patient's heart and in a matter of hours convert them into a tangible physical model Jesus. that the surgeons can use for these surgery and, plans. And how long does it take to build that? Uh, you weren't ready for that A matter question. of hours, it said. A matter of hours. Yeah. That's so the models, uh, yeah. vague. <laughs> it's a matter, you know. It's, it's a... It, it could, enough, enough hours a enough hours to float like a trawler maybe <laughs> like a, not a shipping vessel necessarily but uh enough uh, enough time to drown a non lookalike child right, in a lake. Right, right. the models could provide a more intuitive way for surgeons to assess and prepare for the anatomical idiosyncrasies of individual patients mm-hmm. our collaborators are convinced that this will make a difference says Paulina Goland a professor of electrical engineering and computer scientist at MIT who led the project. Okay, so okay. now a lot of a lot of surgeons, the vast majority, have God complexes. And I see them looking at that and going, yeah, okay, and then just digging in, digging in there. <laughs> yeah, that's what I see time on like a about- dry run of the surgery. <laughs> right? I, don't, yeah. I don't see them taking a lot of time with the, uh, um, I just don't see it. Well, it looks like a heart, yep. Let's go yeah, let's go I know in. what I'm doing, yeah. though, so can I get in there oh, now? Oh, it's a heart, is it? <laughs> well, well what do you I call was going to cut into the balls. Yeah. I didn't realize, because this is my first day being a fucking surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> Are you calling me an idiot? Is that what you're doing right now? Oh. Uh, That's Dr. Bag of Donuts. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Amazing. Uh, By the way, this reminds me, not reminds me, makes me wonder, uh, have, has 3D printing already revolutionized the sex toy industry? Because it should, right? Oh, uh, you would think immediately that would be the first I'm use. Sure. Well, you, you could you also get then a, email you, people the plans. You I could mean, e- yeah. You could, they already they already make the vaginas. They they, they make them. a mold of yeah. them. So this has got to be a lot easier. And then you could so you could just here's the thing. You I could would just s- get sent a like a three a CAD AutoCAD file of the genitalia, and then just and then well, you make it. Except it here's what you then need to do because currently it's kind of I don't think they can print in like soft enough materials. Yeah. So it kind of be like fucking Lego. Well, but so I mean, you no, then need to it, make the, the molds. For the female, which is you want it hard for the other way around, right? But the, not for the, no, yeah, but then if you mold, if you set, like, I don't think you really need to three D print a dick, do you? Like, you I could, don't know. I think you might. Well, if you want that exact dick, right. have you heard I of hot so. cocking? I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did we talk about the uh, clona willy on this show ever? We must have at some point, didn't we? Uh, I, I had a friend that worked for this company in Portland. Uh, the the head of the company, he had developed this, like completely revolutionary technology to make this um, very hypoallergenic polymer, some kind of silica. Like a, he had a great material. He's a material scientist with a PhD. And he's trying to find uses for it and try to pitch, like make businesses around this thing. And he just eventually had to give up and be like, yeah, this is going to have to be used to make fake cocks. Like that's the <laughs> only thing. So he got into the sex toy business just by yeah. like, okay. And he started uh, Clona Willie where you get sent, you buy this kit and oh. you mix it together and you put yourself in there and then it, you know, like yeah. a dentist mold. 
and uh, then you pour the mix into that mold that you make, and then you've made a clone. See, to here's send my to. worry about having a clone of my penis running around. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. How do people then tell which one's <laughs> yeah, yeah. like me and which one's the clone? That's right. But anyway, so my comedian friend of mine worked at the company when I was in Portland, and so he had access to free clone willies and I was <laughs> seeing somebody at the time who was like, yeah, sure, let's do that. And No, um, no I'm sorry. I, I didn't even... Okay, if, she, if she'd been interested in it, then maybe she could have helped. It says in the instructions, clearly, have someone help you. Right. It turns your, out it's, your girlfriend, your mom, whoever's yeah, around. But like, there's a 30-second <laughs> window. There's like a, get a, get a day laborer. There's a 30-second window, basically, before this material sets. <laughs> 30 and seconds. Something like 30 seconds, yeah. So I had no idea how hard it would be to like, and you have to get water to an exact temperature. But like to do chemistry while maintaining a boner is really difficult. <laughs> so hard and, and that's I, where my learning annex course yeah. comes in yeah. it did not work out well you thought I about popping bubble wrap at the same time yeah I should have been popping bubble wrap <laughs> yeah no yeah it's not easy to keep a heart on when no. you're, doing, you're doing any sort of mixing um, so, ingredients so back to hearts very briefly yep mm-hmm. <laughs> professor Golan says the phrase I heard is search and see with their hands that the perception is in the touch uh, so this fall, seven cardiac surgeons at Boston's Children's Hospital will participate in a study intended to evaluate the mold's usefulness. Goland and her colleagues will describe the new system at a conference. Uh, um, they, uh, okay, so one of the co-authors as well, um, Mehdi uh, Mogari, a physicist at Boston's Children's Hospital, developed new procedures that increase the precision of MRI scans tenfold. And Andrew Powell, a cardiologist, leads the project's clinical work. So they've now got this really high-quality MRI scan and this 3D printing. Uh, so an MRI consists of a series of cross-sections of a three-dimensional object, which is basically how 3D printers work as well. They kind of build it up in layers. Uh, so like a black-and-white photograph, each cross-section has regions of dark and light, and the boundaries between those regions may indicate the edges of an anatomical structures. But then again, they may not. So oh. determining the boundaries between distinct objects in an image is one of the central problems in a computer vision known as image segmentation. I'm, I'm seeing a problem. Uh, but general purpose image segmentation algorithms aren't reliable enough to produce the very precise models that surgical planning requires. So typically the way to make an image segmentation algorithm more precise is to augment it with a generic model of the object to be segmented. Human hearts, for example, have chambers and blood vessels that are usually in roughly the same places relative to each other. So that anatomical consistency could give a segmentation algorithm a way to weed out improbable conclusions about object boundaries. So you go like, okay, there's normally a chamber here. This is normally where the wall is, and this is where there's a change in the colors. What if there's what if there is an anomaly in the heart? Right, that's is that the, the problem. Point is he <laughs> yeah. trying to find what's weird about this heart? Uh, the problem with that approach. <laughs> Hit the nail on the head right there, Dave Anthony. Uh, is that many of the cardiac patients at Boston Children's Hospitals require surgery precisely huh. because the anatomy of their hearts is irregular. That's usually why children are in a heart. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, in a heart surgeon. Inferences from a generic model could obscure right. the yeah. very features that matter most to the surgeon. So, in the past, researchers have produced printable models of the heart by manually indicating boundaries in MRI scans. But with 200 or so cross sections in one of Mogari's high precision scans, that process can take eight to ten hours. Uh, they want to bring the kids in for scanning and spend probably a day or two doing planning of exactly how they're going to operate. If it takes another day to just to process the images, it becomes unwieldy. So their solution was to ask a human expert to identify boundaries in a few of the cross-sections and allow algorithms to take over from there. Their strongest results came when they asked the expert to segment only a small patch, one-ninth of the total area of each cross-section. In that case, segmenting just 14 patches 
and then the algorithm infer the rest yielded 90% agreement with expert segmentation of the entire collection of 200 cross sections. Doesn't it seem, wouldn't it seem easier to just do surgery? Uh, yeah. Human segmentation of just, just three patches le- yielded 80% agreement. Also, I mean, they're not even mentioning the real problem here, which is all the you know artisanal heart sculptors that are going to be put out of work. That's right. But, uh, John Henry style, like this that's, man that's versus is, machine. This is another right. another case of people just being put out of work. So here's so your someone answer. Someone can have a fancy little, a fancy little tool. Uh, here's your answer for how long it takes. Okay. Uh, the human segmentation of the sample patches and the algorithmic generation of a digital 3D heart model takes about an hour. And then the 3D printing process takes a couple of hours more. Well, it's a couple not... more or less than a matter. So I'd say a couple is two, like roughly two. Hours. So we're talking approximately three hours from yeah, start. But to what finish. are they? What? Uh, how useful is this thing they're getting? It doesn't sound like it's terribly useful. Um, it sounds like there's a lot of guessing happening, and people are ma- making fun models downstairs. Well, uh, so oh, hang on. So currently, the algorithm examines patches of unsegmented cross sections and looks for similar features in the nearest segmenting one. But Golan believes its performance might be improved if it also examined patches that ran obliquely across several cross sections. This and the ver- other various subjects of ongoing research. So, yeah, here we go. Uh, the clinical study will involve MRIs from 10 patients who have already received treatment at Boston Children's Hospital. So they're going to do it first on people who have already had the treatment. Each of seven surgeons will be given data on all 10 patients, some probably more than once. That data will include the raw MRI scans and on a randomized basis, either a physical model or a computerized 3D model based again at random. Using that data, the surgeons uh, are based again at random on either human segmentations or algorithmic segmentations. So they're trying lots of different things. 3D models, computer models, humans who decide where the segmentations is, algorithms who decide. Using that data, the surgeons will draw up surgical plans, which will be compared with documentation of the interventions that were performed on the patients. So they're going to get these other uh, surgeons in so a plan. Surgery has already been done. Surgery has already been done, but uh-huh. they're now getting these... these um, these surgeons to draw up plans based on this data and they're going to compare it to what actually happened and what the reality was and see how well it would have helped out and find out what works best and then it's going to turn out that the the one that works best causes people to pop more bubbles yeah exactly (laughs) that's exactly how it works by the way if Brooks were here how long ago would would he have started playing country music oh he would have checked out (laughs) he would have checked out before the podcast (laughs) even started especially the longest story we've ever done I think Uh, it'll be used to reduce the incident of residual lesions which are imperfections in repair by allowing us to simulate and plan the size and shape of patches to be used. Excellent. How much would it suck, though, is they've got it all figured out, they've controlled for all the different anomalies, it's printing out halfway through, like, ah, it's a fucking hamster. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fucking hamster. Larry! Ah. Did you put a hamster one in here again? <laughs> uh, we, uh... I don't know whether or not that was an intentional callback to something. It like was, uh, but yeah. who knows what it was a callback to? The listeners will have to find out. Uh, <laughs> we've used this type of model in a few patients and, in fact, performed virtual surgery on the heart to simulate real conditions. Wow. Doing this really helped with a real surgery in re- terms of reducing the amount of time spent examining the heart and performing the repair. Uh, so a 3D model would help, they said. All right, so nice. it just sounds like they're trying everything. That's sort of what I got out of that. <laughs> yeah. Is that they've got a 3D, 3D machine. And they're trying and to find a reason to use gonna, it. Yeah, they're trying to find a reason to use it, and so they're just going to get everything a shot while they have that. <laughs> they're also working on mugs. <laughs> <laughs> like, how shitty was this mug? Like, I, re- I want to really get to the progress. Like, what was that? I mean, so, so it looked like it just had a ton of different layers, yeah. and, they, and they didn't... They didn't line Sand up. It, down. it oh, okay, just wasn't. Okay. It just was not a symmetrical thing. Mm. It just. It was just like every layer was just a little bit off. 
So it just looked terrible. Just like a like, shitty uh, ink printer where the stuff bleeds into the next line and totally. stuff. Totally. The 3D version of that. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's a yeah. shitty printer. <laughs> which and I was which just they'll like, wow. all be when the technology is about a day old and you have the home version of it. Yeah. Right. And he ran across the street, the street to show me and I was just like, wow. <laughs> okay. And halfway you through see? the mug, it's going to... How much money I'm going to save on mugs from now? <laughs> <laughs> this thing's going to pay for itself in days. This was a picture. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and now, like, how much would you spend on a mug? What, $100, $200 normally? <laughs> but now I can get them for just... $10 worth of material yeah. thanks to this $1,000 3D right. print. And I'm blowing up the whole idea that models are stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot he was a model this whole time. Right? <laughs> I love this town. I am disrupting the mug industry. <laughs> God, I, I was... swear to God, guys were trying to break into my house last night because they wanted to get my <laughs> mug machine. <laughs> I'm like, you could try, but the design's in the cloud, man. <laughs> You could take the you could take everything in this place, but you couldn't take the mug because it's up in cyberspace. If that's where it is. <laughs> uh, I could email this mug to someone on the other side of the world, and they could have my mug three yeah. hours later. If I turn up missing, there are specific <laughs> instructions that this mug plan is to be sent to heads of state around the world. And sure, it doesn't hold liquid because it leaks, but who gives a shit? <laughs> I mean, what do you want a mug for? <laughs> <laughs> Dave Anthony, where can our listeners find By the out? way, I've never heard, is this, uh, do British people not pronounce the H? They don't. Oh. In what? In An Anthony. Oh, yeah. They no. don't, no. You're like, like Anthony and Cleopatra. But we do pronounce the H in herbs. Yeah, it's really inconsistent. You guys are all over the place with H's. They don't have... it has an H in it. Right. Well, the beginning. You, what about math? Uh, we call it maths. Because it's short for mathematics. But interestingly, they uh, say uh, sport instead of sports. Yes, they take do. off the S. So yeah. It's just like across. It's it's anything you can imagine. <laughs> I was watching. Madness. I was watching sport before I came over here, a soccer game, mm -hmm. and there was a coach for the team Wolfsburg, and he looked very much like a Klingon human hybrid. <laughs> <laughs> for what team? Wolfsburg. Where is that? Germany. Okay. I, um, where, can, where can they find me? They can find oh, me. God. Uh, Dieter Hecking. Yeah. Well, the dollop. I mean, Andy Andy tells you that every week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm at Dave Anthony on uh, Twitter. That's I, about it. I have an album, Shame Chamber, you can find on iTunes or whatever. If I can get it. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not having to look up this guy to see whether. Is it Dieter Oh, Hecking? yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He does, right? Terrifying. Yeah, yeah, he has a very stern, wrinkled, and aggressive forehead. <laughs> And a warlike attitude. Yes. <laughs> so Dave Anthony and the Dollar in all the places you can get podcasts. Do it. Uh, I know we have a big crossover with our listenership. It's a yeah. very funny show. And also, I think a lot of people... We had um, Gareth on a few yep. months ago, and He's I think people funny. found me through that. He's a very funny kid. He is a very funny... Uh, you can find us at all the places you find podcasts. I mean, you're already listening to us right now. You can also find us on the internet, on Facebook, and on the Twitter, at Probably Science. Uh, we're also at Matt Kirshen, at Andy T. Wood, and at Jesse Case. Please find us on there and add us on. Uh, as said before, you can donate at probablyscience.com. That's also where we post links to all of the stories. And you can find our Amazon link. And please do spread the word. Please do uh, let other people know. Write nice things about us on iTunes. Subscribe if you're not already subscribing. 
Send us stories, corrections, comments, clarifications. We always like finding out when we got things wrong. Uh, which we do with alarming regularity. <laughs> and we love hearing from you. So. I can't wait to hear how wrong I'm about still eating meat. I know I'm a bad person. Do people, are you guys stupid? I get, I, guess, I, I get Dave Anthony's an idiot a lot. Oh, really? Yeah. We also really get funny. that. <laughs> yeah, it makes me Specifically laugh. about you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're going to get Mr. Of- saying you're wrong about because you don't, you didn't say you were, you don't, you, you're like, I do know that eating meat right. is bad. I just not going to get swayed by a Netflix documentary. Right, right, right. Yeah, I'm a bad person. All right. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. (laughs) We'll see you next week. Thanks, Dave. (laughs) 